My name is Joel Arndt. I am the Wealthy Barista. This is my audio journal mapping out the process from full-time barista to financially independent entrepreneur, father, husband. It's a raw take on every painful and joyful step to financial independence. There's conversations with others who are in the process, some who have achieved financial independence and a lot of personal reflection on the struggles and ideas I have along the way. There are a lot of excellent books, podcasts, YouTube channels about how to make money, but there's very little detail on the process. So here's the process. So this deal journal, we're going to talk to, or I talked to my friend William. He's doing some similar uh, real estate investor education courses as I am. And you're going to hear how uh, he got his first deal under contract. It closes in the middle of January. He has has a different focus than I am. I'm focusing on wholesaling right now. He's been he's focusing on building a rental property portfolio. So he found a, a property in St. Catharines and it's interesting to hear uh, just the, the it's a very simple, very basic process. I'm already running into a few hiccups with the lender, but you'll hear about that. And I think, you know, this is a very, honestly, a very normal story. And I think this is, I value these so much because when you're in real estate investor circles, whether at events or at different educational stuff, you get a lot of the highs and the lows, but you don't get much in the middle. And I think that in the middle part is actually what's really important for anybody just starting out. So that's why I really appreciate appreciated this conversation with William. It was just a an, an everyday story that is still pretty still extremely interesting. And William's a very articulate guy anyway and he's got a great attitude all around and he doesn't mince words and so you're gonna get just what you hear is what you get and it's uh it's solid through and through. Hi, how's it going? Good, William, how are you? Good, so are you recording right now? Yeah, and what I'll do is I'll probably... Um... Trim it down, I guess, if there's any you know, boober, uh, bloopers or stuff like that, you can edit it, right? Yeah, absolutely, I'll probably clip off like the, the, the initial bit and then uh, just, you know, just, yeah, and that way it's just a little smoother, but... Um... So you don't have to worry if there's, a, if there's a section that you don't want in and it's easy to take it out. Yeah, right on. So I did listen to some of your uh, podcasts. I listened to that one on giving more value than you expect in return, or it was something along those lines. And I sort of wanted to maybe chime in on that, just give my two cents. Hello? Yeah, hi. Can you hear me? Yeah, sorry. For some reason, it switched to speaker. Um, oh. I'm, I'm listening on my Bluetooth, and then it switched to speaker for whatever reason. I was across, across the room. Oh uh, yeah, it's it's fine. It doesn't matter. But uh, like I said, I was listening to your uh, podcast. Um, the, the one 
about giving more than you expect in return or giving more value than you receive in return. Yeah. And I sort of wanted to like just give you my two cents on that just yeah, to absolutely. start things off and then we'll segue into other stuff. Yeah. But yeah. The, the way I was thinking of it is giving um, without any expectations at all, sort of uh, how I would refer to it as outcome independence. Right. And I think I think they sort of taught us that at that one the legacy seminar that we were both at. Yep. Where remember when Peter Masihi uh, had the little contest for a hundred bucks? Yeah. Right. And then I raised my hand and I got the hundred dollars because I went up. Um, yep. it was When you think of it from his perspective, he's trying to sell us a course, right? Right. And so we responded on a psychological level. It's almost like we were tricked, but I mean it in the most positive sense. It's almost like yep. we were tricked. We want to be like that guy. He's able to just, here's a hundred dollars for, you know, for such a small thing when most of us can, you know, we're like Ray from trailer park boys. When Ricky asked him for a loan, he's like, uh, can I dad, can I have 30 bucks? $30. I don't have that kind of money. Like you're right. <laughs> like most of us are, are like, like that. So we want to be that guy. But from his perspective, he doesn't expect anything. Yeah. That's why he's able to, to risk that hundred bucks. Cause he doesn't expect, he, he could have that seminar that he did have no one sign up for the legacy classes, whatever. And that, that yeah. could have, that could have been a possibility, right? It could have been a thought. It could, it could have been a waste of a hundred bucks, but yeah. ultimately a few of us did sign up and it was worth his time. Right. And he gets paid and all that. It, so you know, the, that concept, that uh, principle came, um, it's a part of, it's the first uh, stratospheric law of success uh, from a book called the go-giver. And um, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a principle that is kind of fairly straightforward and they don't, the authors don't pretend to have, um, to be the originators of that idea. They just packaged uh, it up in a way, uh, the idea of giving as a business attitude, um, they package it up in a way that's extremely accessible. And uh -huh. uh, I actually listen to that book probably at least once a month, if not more, if I can, just because like three hours long, it's a, it's a short business story and it, it kind of covers these five laws of stratospheric success. The first one being give more uh, in value than you expect uh, in payment. And I thought it, in, in that particular moment, like there, there's just things that um, I, I was seeing, especially in the season coming into Christmas, I, you know, Mm -hmm. people can be funny about giving um, yeah, even when it comes to Christmas and there's, sometimes there can be uh, a, yeah something might be a gift and it's not really a gift right, right. And sort of the way I see it is you have to have zero expectations the, the, yeah. like I said the way I phrase it is outcome independence yeah like, like you that. have to be not attached to any particular outcome yeah. of anything and when you think about it most things wind up being fairly like I have a fairly transactional personality Right. Uh, lately, the past couple of years, just because of uh, uh, without going into it too much, but yeah, you have to just not care about the outcome. Yeah. I mean, all, I mean, it doesn't change that you have goals and you have objectives and you want a certain result and you make a game plan to achieve that result. But from any particular interaction, you can't expect very much. I mean, just the yep. way things are in this day and age. No, so yeah, I just thought I thought that you know that's my my two cents on the subject. So. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, so tell I'm, me, well, tell me about um, this deal. I know that it hasn't closed yet, and that it's it's it's, it's running into some hurdles. After it, I talk with you, I'm actually going to a mortgage broker to find a new lender. My <laughs> lender bailed on me because I was switching. I've been um, in transition with my employment. 
Uh-huh. So I was working at a, as a cleaner at Defasco, and then now I'm a welder trainee. But it's okay. a bump in my salary. It's like $4 more per hour. Yeah. But it's really bad timing, and so the lender doesn't like that. The lender thinks I'm unemployed when really I'm getting a promotion. <laughs> it's very it's very bizarre. It's, my, my logic, I guess I just didn't think it through well enough. I thought I was doing a good thing, and then it winds up being a bad thing. You know? Yeah, so, yeah. Well, that, that's yeah. Tough. I, so I found, did, yeah. yeah. Sorry. How, how'd you find it? Well, it was just off the MLS through my realtor mm-hmm. and the realtor I got referred to him through the legacy group and so the legacy training and everything that I've gotten has been very helpful. And then I did a search again with my mentor mm-hmm. and it sort of just, he, he said, okay, here's these five properties. You should look at these. And, uh, that's basically it. Not, but a few things about the listing that were unique. Um, I sort of wanted to touch on that making money in the buy concept that yep. they go, go on about in the legacy courses. There was no for sale sign. So right. The listing had been on MLS for four months. And so I've got it for, well, that's if this thing even closes. The asking price was 259000 and I got it for 253 And so I've made money in the buy about six grand below mm-hmm. asking, right? But the thing that they don't mention in legacy, I don't, I don't think they make it clear, is that when you do that, when you make money in the buy, you're solving a problem or you're, you're releasing a burden for the person that you're, you're not, the property that you're making money on the buy from. So in this case, it's a problem tenant. So right. I've made $6,000 because I'm going to deal with the problem tenants. And it, and it could be anything, right? You could buy the property so you get it for 20 grand or 30 grand under asking it's going to have a problem. It's going to have, you know, like a leaky roof or a smelly yeah. basement or, or something. There's some sort of problem that you have to solve. Yeah. And these things like the MLS, you're not going to find too many of these deals. And if they are, they're a special circumstance. So it's a lot of searching. Like I've probably looked at now hundreds of listings and finally I found something that's a possibility. But then as we see, as I've just explained, it's more difficult than than what they make it seem. They make it seem like these properties are all over the place and they're not. So No, it's the truth. Yeah. So how long between when you started seriously looking and finding this property? How many what Well, I had been looking before those legacy courses. I'd been looking for about a year before that. Okay. So we're going on a little bit uh, over two years. Okay. But then, then again my, my search criteria really changed once I had the mentorship and everything. Yeah. So I'd say once I, I got that mentorship about I had that about a month and a half ago. Okay. And then from there, I'm not going to go into too much because if you want the mentorship, you got to pay for it. Like I paid, <laughs> I paid a chunk for it. Yeah. So I'm not going to reveal all the hidden trade secrets, but a lot of the stuff that they explained to me was very helpful. So it no, helped my, helped my search quite a bit. Yeah. Um, okay. So you, you find this, this project, you, did you put an offer in first or what, what were your first steps once you found it? Uh, well, looked at the listing, ran the numbers through my spreadsheets, and then I did the numbers by hand as well, too. And I looked at all the factors that I'm focused on, which is mainly just cash flow. Yep. And so, okay, it's positive. And I went and looked at the property and, you know, decided uh, everything seems okay. Of course, I want a home inspection and all that stuff. Those are conditions of my offer. But then, yeah, I just said, okay, well, it's, I've been searching for such a long time. I might as well just go for it. And I think that's another that's another point about going back to outcome independence is you sort of just have to be willing to take that risk. Yeah. You have to sort of have to just have an attitude of, you know, just go for it. 
And I was kind of, you know, nervous doing it. Even though, like I said, I've had my hands held quite a bit. I've had mentorship. I've had courses. I've had all that. It's still, you know, there, there's safer things I could invest my money in, right? But so, you know, it's, it's... You think there are safer things to invest money in? Uh, yeah, you know, like I could be boring and just go get a GIC, right? Yeah, that's true, yeah. You, you, you know what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So still, yeah, it's like I, I have to put a substantial down payment and, you know, there's a mortgage and it's all these responsibilities that I've never had before. So you have to have that attitude of, well, okay, I might as well go for it. You, you understand what I mean, right? Oh, I completely get it. And, and I know where you're coming from. Yeah, absolutely. It's when you step out there and, and you put your name on a contract and your signature on a binding, a legal binding contract, you are now obligated to perform under that contract. And if you don't have the right but I feel fairly well prepared, though. But then again, like I said, I've had courses, yeah, legacy I, courses and all that. So they've prepared me. I have all clauses in my offer that I can easily say I can't get this mortgage and that's a problem. I can yeah. just walk away from the deal. Yeah. I got all, all my clauses there. So, you know, I'm not saying throw all caution to the winds, but you yeah. should do your research, be prepared. But you do have to have an attitude of, well, just go for it. Mitigated okay. risk. Yeah, mitigated risk. Yeah, due diligence and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you, it is now, uh, did, was there much of a negotiation? There was a little, there was a, an offer and then a counter offer. And then I did another counter offer and finally got it just six grand below what they asked, which is yep. not very much. But like I said, there was leverage to negotiate. The tenants are a bit of a problem is what I've been told. And the house had been on the market for four months. And you, you have to have leverage, right? When you want to make money in the buy, it's sort of well, what problem are you solving yeah. to make that money? And having that leverage there uh, was the, the process. They did ultimately come down. But then basically, bit, fundamentally, I haven't made any mistakes. It's yeah. sort of like playing cards, like playing poker. And I did that for a while. And what I learned from that was simply not making any mistakes is how you win. So I haven't won like... I haven't made 20 grand or 30 grand in the buy. I've only made 6,000, mm -hmm. but you know, that's, it's, it's better than paying over asking. Right. So, yeah. Mm. And I feel like that price, not, not, I'm not completely familiar with the St. Catharines market, but I feel like that price is fairly, um, fairly discounted anyway for. Oh, compared to the other properties in the area. Yeah, definitely. And like I yeah. said, this listing had special, like it had been listed for four months, no sales, no for sale sign yeah. in front of it. It had been on the MLS, but under, yeah, definitely undervalued compared to the rest of the St. Catharines. And Hamilton, for me, even though I got, you know, money in the bank, it's out of the question. Like I'm going to have to build, like it's sort of like a snowball, get this property and work on getting another one and another one. And eventually I'll be able to get something in Hamilton if I play my cards right. But uh, how many units? Yeah. Oh, two units. Okay. So not much. It's a, it's a start. I was even thinking of uh, possibly living in one unit and renting out the other, but mm -hmm. most probably just going to rent it out for now and then use the equity that I build up to finance another deal. Does it need much work? Uh, no, there's a little uh, thing with the ceiling that needs fixing. But the main problem I've been told is the tenants. They're just difficult. They pay their rent on time, which for me, that's all that matters. But I don't know the full story, but they're a bit of a pain in the neck. So yeah. that's all I have really have to worry about. Otherwise, it's it's a fairly good property. I mean, obviously, you get what you pay for, right? So yeah, and you, yeah, you know, a lot of people wouldn't step into that kind of situation. They would rather a physically like a, a, a physically distressed property rather than like 
having to deal with problem tenants. And whenever, like you mentioned before, whenever you are making money in the buy, you're usually taking on someone else's problem on some level. So yes, on it, some level, yeah. So either and either it's the uh, it's a problem with the property, or you are. I guess you're not taking if it's a financial thing, if it's financial distress, you're not technically taking on their problem, but you are contributing to the solution anyway, which is the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, in this case, it's it's the problem tenant. So you think you're gonna you have the the uh, mentality or temperament to uh, ride out these tenants. I believe so because my main concern it's it's it's, it's a they even talk about it in the legacy courses, at least the, the ones that I've done, where you have like a business plan. What do you want to get out of the property? Cash flow isn't all that matters. Like to me, right. cash flow is the number one priority. I don't care about the gross rent multiplier and the whatever, blah, blah, blah. I just care that the tenants pay their rent on time. If yeah. they want to, you know, drink a little beer and smoke dope, you know, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, like that's what I've been hinted at. That's sort of the problem is like the woman maybe likes to drink a little too much or whatever, and they're, uh, they're noisy. But hey, as long as they pay their rent on time and they don't damage the property, I don't, you know, yeah. it's not a big deal to me. To, to yeah. someone else, that might be unacceptable, right? You, you understand? We all have our uh, what's that? Our risk threshold, our pain threshold, right? And uh, yeah, you've like I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to take on a property that's a big renovation property. Like, oh shit, I gotta. Uh, fix the roof and yeah. you know fix the plumbing and refinish the basement but it's it's about basically it's about finding your niche yeah and what you want to do in real estate like i met through the mentorship i met this woman her focus is taking unfinished basement houses and finishing the basement you know like putting in a kitchen and a bathroom and making them look nice and then flipping them and reselling them so right. she just focuses on houses that have crappy basements and fixes them Yep. Right. So that's her niche. That's what yep. she's doing. That's how she's making money. I just want an income property. I just you know, want to collect the rent, use my capital, and invest it. It's better to me, better than a GIC. So yeah, we're, we're all we're, right. We're all different, right? So yeah. So the only so the only hitch that you've run into so far is uh, is the lender. Yeah, financing. But again, it's just due to my my way of thinking. I thought. Oh well, I'm getting a promotion. I'm getting a better job. That's a good thing, right? Yeah. And no, they want to see tenure and they want to see security and they basically want things. In my opinion, like I, I, I had to go through about a dozen different mortgage brokers until the one now because everybody wants everything over secured. So you really have to. And I suppose the mistake I made is that when I first dealt with people, I didn't do enough due diligence. Like I didn't. I didn't ask them enough questions and then I have to keep searching and searching and searching. And now I found a guy that he's going to get me, you know, I was trying to do it through a lenders. Now I'm going to do it through B lenders and see he, he should be able to close on it, but I should have maybe it was bad time and getting a new job. Basically mm -hmm. I should have yeah. just stayed, but you know, Hey, that's going to be a learning experience. It's my first property. Right. So, yeah, no, that's really good. So the, so you'll get a, you know, get the mortgage under a B lender um, and then refinance down the road just for a better rate? Or? Uh, yeah, I'll do some mortgage pay down. I'll have natural and forced appreciation and yep. yeah. And then pull out the equity and do another deal down the road, like a couple of years down the road, you know, Okay. and see how it goes. Like I might, what might like, I might eat my own words where these crappy tenants or slightly crappy tenants might make my life hell and I want to get out of it. 
in which case I've done enough things right that I can just pull out my money and the worst case scenario is I break even. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's good. It's actually, this is really exciting. I mean, um, to getting in, getting in on this level, um, it's pretty significant, man. Yeah, it is. And considering I'm not an actual homeowner, I'm kind of cheating. <laughs> I should have my, my own personal home first. And that's where it all started. I tried to, when I got this windfall of money that I got, I tried to go out and just buy a house for myself to live in. And then it just led me on this road of discovery where I eventually, you know, stumbled upon the legacy seminar and we all, you know, you know, you know the story, right? So Yeah, absolutely. That's excellent. Mm-hmm. So what, uh, once this closes, um, if what? it closes, cause it's still the lender we have, I wanted 30 days for financing. And then my realtor was like, no, no, that's too much. Just make it 10. So now oh, we Lord. have about, we have about seven days to figure this out. And if we can't figure it out, then the deal falls through. So yeah. well, and you might be able to ask for an extension though. I mean, like depend if, if this guy's really motivated to sell, just mm-hmm. go to him and say, Hey, look, the, um, well, yeah, just explain the situation and, and say, can, can I get a, you know, 15 day extension or 14 day extension or whatever. And, yeah. We'll uh, probably be able to work it out, but my, but attitude, I mean, if he's not buying, like if he hadn't had any interest for four months and he really wants to get rid of these tenants, like waiting another 15 days should like, it won't hurt him. You might have to explain that to him, but my, yeah, I'm sure we're going to be able to work something out though. I'm fairly positive, but you know, I just say if, cause you never know that stuff happens. Right. So, okay, so if you also, closes, I guess that's, I guess that's the final lesson is you got to be prepared for the unexpected. Like, even though I've had all this training and courses, and all this and that stuff happens that you don't even really think about it and you have to just sort of think on your feet. Right. And sort of and that, just go with it. So that's why they kind of say plan for the worst case scenarios and the best case scenarios. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that's I don't cool. know. I, I don't have too much else to talk about and I kind of have to go soon. So, well, that's no, that's been perfect. Uh, thank you very much. This is, uh, this is fun, man. I, uh, I'm, I want to follow up, um, if it falls through or if it, uh, if it if it goes through, I want to follow up because this kind of real process is just kind of what I'm documenting on the podcast anyway. Yeah, definitely. I'll I'll let you know in a couple of days what happens, and then we could always have another once it goes through. Once I close, the final closing date is in January, so I'll yep. I'll definitely let you know. Great. All right. Um, so it was see. nice talking with you and all that. I don't know if you have any final, you can ask me one more question, I guess, and then I got to get going. So. No, man, I'm, I'm doing well. I should go check on my daughter. I think she's looking at some of that. Okay. Right on. So we'll, we'll be in touch then. You bet. Have a good one. Yeah. Take it easy. Bye. Peace. And there we go. If you have any questions, any beefs, any ideas about what I just talked about, you can email me, joel at joelarnt.ca. My last name is spelled A-R-N-D-T. If you found this frustrating, mildly interesting, intriguing, inspiring, enlightening, boring even, let me know too. Always interested. You can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, on LinkedIn. If you'd like to read more of what I write, joelarnt.ca. Embrace the process. You're not alone.